You know, we're starting a Christmas season. We're looking at all the different lights. And, and God, well, he sent us some snow. A little bit of sprinkling. Hey, would you stand with me as I open up our time reading from Psalms? I will exalt you, my God and my King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is our Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure up to his greatness. Because God is good and he is faithful. 43 weeks ago, right here on this stage, in this podium, and 15 assorted guest speakers ago, Pastor Ryan unexpectedly resigned as our pastor. And it was a shock to all of us. But we convened downstairs for a meal together and a conversation about where God wanted us to go next. And the one thing that I sensed above all else during that conversation was unity and a confidence in God that he would take care of us. Uh, Your questions were good. Your encouragement was good. I especially remember Dave Shiedlow's encouragement during that meeting. It was uh, uplifting to us as leaders. And with your prayer support, with the faithful work of the search committee, and the unequaled support from Converge Mid-America, and Dick Luazo is here today with his wife Nancy from Converge. Thank you for your help. We appreciate it. Um, God was faithful, and he brought us the man that we prayed he would bring us. Um, Rick and his wife started their ministry here a couple weeks ago, and I have to tell you, after he got back from Jamaica, He hit the ground running, and he has done a lot in a couple of weeks. We've already had a couple elder meetings with Rick. Rick has met with several of you already, ministry leaders, and he has done a lot. And he's talked to Nancy and Amanda quite a bit, and he has a lot of great ideas to make our church a better instrument for Jesus Christ and the gospel. And we're thankful for that. I just, um, I'm always amazed, and I shouldn't be, at the way God works. And all we have to do is be faithful and lean on him through prayer and study of his word, and he is always faithful to us and always loves us. Rick, would you come forward, please, to the stage? I'd like to do a short prayer for you as you preach your first official message here at Cross Point. Lord, we love you. Lord, you are so faithful. You have brought us Rick and Sharon, and we already love them so much. Lord, protect them from the evil one during their ministry here. Give them the strength, both spiritually and physically, they need to do their work here at Cross Point Church. May each one of us pray for them and love them and support them in any way we can. In the name of your risen Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you. Thank you. The sun was just peeking up as the roosters were crowing. They were wondering, what special day would this be? You know, there's a couple hundred people called Nazareth home. Most of them were farmers. Nazareth was probably about 75 miles north of Jerusalem. It was off the beaten path and most obscure at best. Nothing really much happened there in this ordinary place, at least until now. Mary, who had just turned 14, she couldn't sleep at all that night. Birthdays are special, but it wasn't about her birthday. Mary's parents had just told her about Joseph. She was excited and scared all at the same time. Getting married would change everything for her. She enjoyed her friends. She enjoyed the time she had at the synagogue. She enjoyed her family. But whoa, getting married. You know, today was the day that would start her kiddushin her betrothal, which would last for a year. And, and it was the talk of the town. There weren't that many people there. And so Mary was quite excited to get up. Joseph would be preparing their home over this next year. And she would start an internship with her mom to learn how to be a mom and a wife. All Mary could do was think about Joseph, her wedding, her future. She talked with God a lot that night. She tried to sleep. She asked God a bunch of questions. She quietly trusted God with her 14-year-old life. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Would you shut your eyes? I won't ask you to keep them shut too long, but if you could shut your eyes and listen as my wife reads the scripture today. Next month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, 
The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Christmas is quite the holiday. No doubt that Mary was a special player in God's amazing redemptive plan. Christmas is all about God's love. And Christmas is the way that God jump-started his amazing plan. You know, I have to ask the question, though, why Mary? Why Mary? We see the Virgin Mary differently because many of us come from different backgrounds. Some traditions exalt her and even worship her as God. Others de-emphasize her role and her person. I'd like to strike a balance, a healthy perspective, a biblical perspective. So during the month of December, we're going to look at Christmas through the eyes of Mary. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to just come to worship, to meet with God's people, to adore you, to be reminded once again of how creative and wonderful and gracious you are. I pray, dear God, that that you would strengthen my voice. I pray that it would not be so distracting. I pray, dear God, that you would receive honor and glory today as we open up your word And we learn, learn what's important to you and how much you care about us. We pray these things in your precious name, amen. If you want to turn your Bibles with me or open your flat screens to Luke chapter 1. If you're rather new to this, um, there's uh, right about two-thirds in your Bible. You're going to see a bunch of guys' names, Matthew Mark, Luke, and John. Finger over to Luke, and we're going to start in chapter 1, looking at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You know, there's a few things that kind of jump out at me about God. You see, God is gracious and often breaks us out of, well, the box that we put him in. In fact, I would encourage you every time you open up God's word that you ask this question, God, what about you do you want to change in my mind? How do I need to see you differently, God? God, I'm pretty sure I don't understand all of who you are and what you do. But if you can open my eyes just a little bit, so I might be able to see you more clearly. Because as each one of us see God more clearly, all of a sudden our worship changes. 
all of a sudden our schedules change. All of a sudden our priorities change. And this is really what happened here. First thing that jumps out at me is that God loves us because verse 26 begins the Christmas story and God's amazing plan. No one could have thought of this. The king of king, the creator of all, would love us so much that he would come 2,000 years ago and live as a person so that he might eventually spread his arms, die, shed his blood, so that you and I might be able to be reconnected. That we would be reconciled. That we could experience life the way God intended. That we might have abundant life now and look forward to eternal life later. God says, I love you. And my plan's going to look a little bit different. And I'm going to send my son. Secondly, God sends Gabriel to Nazareth. Now again, we're not that familiar with Nazareth. I mean, we just got to be honest here, all right? But Nazareth really didn't have a very good reputation. It was this community way off the beaten path, as I've already shared, but it was obscure, and it had a terrible reputation. In fact, I'm not sure if you remember when Jesus was gathering his disciples together in John chapter 1, he had talked to a guy named Philip. And he asked Philip to follow him. And Philip was so excited. And, and he, started being able, or he started telling others all about this man, Jesus, from Nazareth. And he went to his friend, Nathanael. And Nathanael heard Philip's excitement. He said, hey, I want you to come and meet the Messiah. This Messiah is amazing. He's telling us things that we can't even believe. He's doing things. Come on, let's follow him. And Nathanael's response was this. Are you kidding me? From Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? Whoa. Third thing, God sends Gabriel to Mary. Now again, you're not exactly, or we're not exactly sure of how long God had been basically silent. But we know probably for about 400 years, prophets weren't speaking. We know that at least in the scriptures that there wasn't a lot of activity from God down to man. This was pretty special. An angel shows up and talks to Mary. Mary was young. I'm going to say she's 14. You know, there's a whole lot of people who are a lot smarter than I am that thought Mary might only be 12 or 13. Some might even go to 16. But any way you look at it, I cut it right in the middle. We're going to look at a 14-year-old girl. It's amazing. A 14-year-old girl who's poor. We know that, again, Nazareth did not have the reputation, but it was a poor town. She was a female, and that culture at that day did not have the privileges or was not honored in the way that we honor our ladies today. It was a virgin. I started thinking about that 14 number, 
I'm pretty sure most of you know someone who's 14, or maybe they live in your house, or maybe, uh, you know, you're going to see them over these Christmas holidays. But for me, a 14-year-old, it's, it's been a long time since a 14-year-old was living in my house, to be quite honest. And so I think God prepared me actually in a very special way. As Dan said, and as many of you know, I just came back from a mission trip. And it was a little bit of a different type of a mission trip in Jamaica. We had about 20 people. But out of those 20 people, we had six 14-year-old girls. I'm letting you know, I normally don't take 14-year-olds anything to a mission trip. And it just so happened and worked out. And that older girl in the picture there is my daughter. Uh, She's a little older than 16. She was one of our leaders on the trip. But the truth was, I got to live with these 14-year-olds for a week. I got to see how they think. I got to see how they responded. I, I saw how they listened to who God was and what God was doing. I saw them do some extraordinary things. And God reminded me again that being 14, he can do something very very special. You see, Mary was unsuitable in the eyes of her people, but she was used mightily of God. I don't know if you look even in the Old Testament, but God's pretty consistent in this message. He graces us often and gives us position that we don't deserve and gives us opportunity to join him on mission that, well, sometimes we're unqualified to do. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God reminded the children of Israel. He said, hey, it's not because you're a great nation that I chose you. It's not because you're really obedient because I chose you. It's because I'm a gracious God and I love you. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in 1 Corinthians there was a group of people, they, they struggled a little bit with arrogance. But the Apostle Paul just basically wrote this. He said, hey, I want you to remember that when you came to faith, you weren't the smartest, you weren't the richest, you weren't the brightest. In fact, I'm not sure what they were, you know, after you look at all that. But God says, you came because I'm a gracious God. And God continually, continually reminds us over and over again how gracious he is. And how wonderful we have, or how wonderful it is that we have an opportunity to be part of his family and on mission with him. You know, we find in this passage that Mary is engaged, or she enters this kiddushin. This literally is as legal as marriage. Again, we don't have anything like this in our tradition. We don't. Um, normally, parents don't give away a daughter anymore. I, I know in some plates of our, places in our world that happens. But, but normally that doesn't happen. So this seems really odd to us. And I'm sure Mary's parents didn't just kind of unload this on her, you know. But the truth is, is they arranged a marriage. And, and once this happens... It is great joy. In fact, the only way this doesn't happen is is literally divorce. They would use that term if you're in this engagement time and you would perhaps become unfaithful or do some other things like that. 
So it was considered marriage, although the wedding day didn't happen for a year after this started. But Mary was just like any girl today who's engaged. She was thinking of Joseph. She was thinking of her house. She was thinking of her future. Perhaps she was thinking of the wedding and the kids. Then an angel shows up, greets her, and speaks truth to her. I can tell you, she didn't wake up that day thinking an angel's coming. It was quite the shock. Hi, Mary. Greetings. I don't know how angels talk. And I really can't talk well today anyway, so work with me. But you're a favored young lady. This is really cool. I'm here to give you some good news. Then look at verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, literally, the Bible says that Mary was shaken. She, she was beside herself. And the angel says, don't be afraid. This isn't about judgment. I don't know how much theology Mary had about angels, but I know this was really odd and weird and different. He says, settle down. It's okay. I actually have really good news. Now put this in perspective. Good news, certainly. But this is news that rocked Mary's world. It says, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Well, Mary wasn't pregnant yet. All things sound okay. She can kind of think, okay, yeah, Joseph and I are going to get married. This is kind of cool. An angel's coming. I'm going to eventually conceive and have a son. Whoa, this is pretty great. Then the next few lines, put yourself there, you know. You will call him Jesus. Now, again, this is getting a little weird. Okay, so you're telling me this. Now, I, now you're telling me the name. I'm supposed to name him. He will be great. Specifically, he'll be God's son. He will be Israel's king, the Messiah, who will reign forever. This is unbelievably good news for the Jewish state. I mean... Every Jew had been looking for the Messiah, and especially during this Roman um, power that just kind of usurped its authority over them. Everywhere they went, Rome was there, and they were dictated by all their precepts. Mary heard the news, wanted the Messiah to come, but this was a little bit beyond anything she could imagine. Look at her response in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm hearing what you're saying, Mr. Angel. Maybe she called him Gabriel. Not sure how this all went, but but how does this happen? 
I mean, um, this seems very, very odd to me. You know what's interesting is she just said how or will or shall or can. All those can be put in there. She didn't say, are you kidding me? Really? I mean, there's a lot of other girls around this area. Why don't you go talk to one of them? I've got my knife whole planned. Hey, Joseph and I, and I, she didn't say anything like that. She said, how? And then the angel explains, well, this is going to happen miraculously. That's how it's going to do it. You see, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And this baby is going to form inside of you. And God's power will surround you. And it's going to be really evident. And so you will give birth to Jesus, the sinless, holy Son of God. Now, in this narrative, it just keeps going. But I've got to believe at this moment, there's a pause. There's a whoa. There's like, ah, oh, really? I'm getting the picture here. But, uh, okay, I, this has never been done before, right, Gabriel? I mean, first time, right? I'm Mary, Mary, this is unbelievable. And then he goes, and, and he can tell that Mary's a little bit wondering at this moment. And, and what happens is that Gabriel says, behold, or in some of your versions, hey, I'm going to share with you something you don't even know at this moment. And he says this, I've got some shocking news for you. Your relative Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Now again, for most of us, it's not really a big deal. And nowhere do we actually know how old Elizabeth is. But we know that Elizabeth was too old to have kids. Well, that can still be kind of young. Most people really think Elizabeth, listen to this, is about 88 years old at this moment. All right? I'm thinking... She knows Elizabeth. It's a relative. You just told me I'm not even married and going to have a baby. And I'm trying to figure this all out. And then you throw this out. Hey, by the way, I want you to know, you didn't know this, but Elizabeth, you know, your 88-year-old relative, Elizabeth. Ah, she's six months pregnant. Honestly, folks, you, you know, and, and really what... God is doing is kind of sharing. Nothing is impossible for me. This may really make you uncomfortable. You may not have all the answers, but nothing is uncomfortable for me. You know, Mary heard the story of 90-year-old Sarah. I'm sure she did. And how she gave birth miraculously to Isaac. But she was going to see Elizabeth. And even understanding that God did some amazing miracle with an older lady. 
God's going to do something. Some of your versions, in fact, as you heard Sharon read, she read um, there at the end of verse 37, the word of God will never fail. Well, again, if you dig in just a little bit, there's two manuscripts, and, and really it's about 50-50, to be quite honest. But either way, if the angel said, nothing is impossible for God, or the word of God will never fail, I'm thinking we can bank on it. That's pretty amazing. And then her response. I am, this is when it gets really good. You think it's really good up to now? This is really good. Verse 38. Look at this. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. She basically said this, I am your servant, God. None of this makes sense to me. Your timing seems kind of off. The plan doesn't really seem to make sense. But you know what? I'm your servant. I'm your female doulas. I am ready to serve you, God. God, is this is what you want me to do. Sign me up. I want to do this. You know, I don't know if Mary thought through her next year or two or three or 40. But submission to God's plan would cost her. Listening to God would pay a price. You see, if nothing else, she would be disgraced as an unwed mother. I mean, she's going to tell people that God did this miracle. But I'm pretty sure, I don't know many who are going to believe that. (laughs) So all of her life, she will kind of have this stigma as an unwed mom. Joseph easily could have divorced her. In fact, probably two weeks from today, we're going to focus a little more on Joseph, and we're going to find out it would have been absolutely right. He loved Mary. There's no doubt about it, and he wanted to treat her with respect, but it probably meant she would be divorced at 14 years old and disgraced with a baby. Literally, if Joseph wanted, he could have had her stoned or killed. Now, I know this is Jesus. And you can start asking all different kinds of questions. But again, a lot of, there wasn't a lot of things that were making sense right now to Mary. There just wasn't. Her response is, I want to do what you want, God. I want to do what you want. You know, it's interesting, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, some of you know the story of Hannah and Samuel, and Hannah wasn't uh, able to conceive any kids, and, and uh, she was uh, talking to God a whole lot, and, and eventually God allowed Hannah to, to birth Samuel along with some other kids, but she uses the same word. When she finds out in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she says, you know, I am your servant, Lord. 
I just want you to know I'm just so grateful. Whether you give me a baby or whether you don't give me a baby, I'm, I'm, I'm still your servant. You know, as I look at this story, it's, it's pretty amazing. If you understand all that Mary went through, it, it kind of rocks your world. But there's some final thoughts here, some things I think that, that we probably just need to remember. An ordinary 14-year-old girl who had extraordinary relationship with her God had an amazing part in God's redemptive plan, his mission. You know, God works mightily in ordinary places with ordinary people who humbly depend on him. And this is good news. You see, in our eyes and in their eyes, well, God picked the wrong town. And God picked the wrong woman. But he didn't. Our sovereign and gracious God chose a 14-year-old to be the earthly mother of his son. Mary faithfully rested in the sovereign purpose of her Savior and God without regard to the implications or the potential risks. You know what makes Mary magnificent? Is her faith. I think this should be great, bring great hope to parents or discouragement to parents. 14-year-old that knows God so well and loves God so much that God asks her to do this. Would you like in? Would you like to have that faith Would you like to see God differently like that? Would you like to respond to God when he asks you to do things or asks you to join him, maybe in an unusual way, that, that your response is, yes, I'm your servant, God. I don't understand all the details. I don't understand all the ramifications. But I, I want to be part. I want that. I think it starts with a relationship with God. You know, I'm still new and I don't know everyone that's sitting here in this auditorium, in this sanctuary. I don't know if you've all come to a place in your life where, where you see a need for a Savior to be rescued. But you know, this is the season, not just about gifts and lights and family. This is the season that shouts over and over, God loves that he sent his son so that we might have life. If you don't know our Lord or, or maybe your relationship with God is a little stagnant, if you want to join this adventure, you've got to become part of God's family. Secondly, if you're part of God's family, if you have this relationship, develop the relationship. You know, sometimes we look at heroes in the pews next to you or heroes in the scriptures and and we just automatically assume you know that God's just going to use us in a, in amazing ways well you know it's God asks us is that he wants to connect with us he wants to spend time with us he wants you to talk to him and he wants you to listen to him and like any other relationship those relationships take time 
I look at Mary, and, and of course, we don't have a whole lot of background in Mary, but if she was the normal 14-year-old girl, she had been not only been trained in her family, but had been going to the synagogue probably up to 12 or 13 years old. At that time, things probably changed a little bit. But she knew God. She understood God. She trusted God. Not because she was a special lady, but because she knew her God. And in spite of all the things that might happen, she could trust God. I think we need to expect God to be active in his redemptive work. God has placed us here on this planet so that we might be his hands and his feet. If we understand that God walks with us and God lives with us, then every time that we go to the counter at Menards, God may have a plan for you, a mission for you. And it's exciting to be able to walk with him and to listen to his soft voice and to be able to go and do what he asks you to do. Now granted, Mary's job is one and done. But the truth is every one of us have a privilege to be able to share. And lastly, I think it's actually just trusting God. How many of us would love to know what's going to happen the next month and the next two years and the next 20 years and the next... And you just keep asking. And hey, am I going to keep my job? Am I not? Is my marriage going to get better or is it not? Are my kids going to follow Jesus or are they going to run like crazy? What about the blended family that I'm in? Am I ever going to be able to love? And you just have question after question after question. And maybe God is just saying, hey, walk with me. Trust me. Things don't always look good or perfect. But I'm a loving dad. And I want to I want to walk with you every day of your life. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have people like Mary in the Bible. People that are so unusual. People who are so different. People who um, we don't understand. Lord, the plans that you have puzzle us at times. And we just ask, God, that you would in some way give us courage to trust you. Lord, if for some reason today our our relationship with you isn't so good, maybe we just kind of uh, casually kind of talk to you and hear from you. I pray, God, that you would draw each one of us into a more intimate place. That we would learn who you are and we would respond to you in amazing ways. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. I'd like you literally to take about two minutes. And you're just going to hear some music. And I'm not exactly sure what God is saying to you. What word, what part of the scripture jumped out? What sentence whispered to you?
but we'd like you to just ask God, God, what, what do you want me to do now? What needs a change in my life right now, God, after hearing your word? And just be real quiet. And for the next few minutes, listen and see what God has to say. pause and say thank you. We are so grateful for your grace and your mercy. If we're honest, we deserve to be consumed. But you desire a relationship and, and want to be part of our lives. And you, you took a 14-year-old girl, Lord, a girl that uh, pretty normal, looking forward to her future with Joseph and just rocked her world. She was okay trusting you. I pray, God, that you would grow our faith. Father, I also want to just thank you for all the blessings, the material blessings you've given us. As we are about to receive an offering, dear Lord, we pray it, that each one of us would give because we love you. We pray, God, that, that you would use this in powerful and mighty ways. We are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.
Gentlemen will be walking up and passing our offering plates now. Jude writes in verse 24, Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away will bring you into great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory and majesty and power and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. So grateful that you're here today. So grateful that you worshiped with us. You know, uh, next week, we have a a big Sunday. Uh, There'll be times for each. uh, There'll be time um, for a um, bake sale. And we will have an opportunity for our members to be able to vote for leadership and our upcoming budget. I want to encourage you, if you're a member, to stay for that. And if you're not, go buy lots of baked goods next week. Um, as you leave, a tradition here is that uh, there's a benevolent fund that we receive. There'll be some folks at the doors, and if God so moves you to be able to uh, be generous in this way, we encourage you to do that so that we might be able to help others who are part of this flock who are uh, struggling a little bit in in this time in this area. Hey, we're so glad you're here. On your way out, if you see some folks that you don't know, uh, or even if you do see some folks that you do know, I hope you're friendly, that you uh, say hey to them, and there's some special coffee and really holiday donuts in the gym that you really can't go without getting some. Have a great day. See you next Sunday.